From the Breslin Center to Little Caesars Arena, we've got the sports opinions that matter to you. From the Driven Collision Studios, we make friends by accident. On the game, 7.30 a.m. The views and positions expressed in this program are those of the host and do not necessarily reflect the views and positions of the game 7.30 a.m. Some may find the content of this program controversial or offensive. It's time to play the game. And he'll be ready. Put on your big boy pants and buckle up. This isn't a safe space for weak takes or whining. You can say that this sports radio show is offensive-minded. Call the show at 517-300-4263. Text or call us through the game, 7.30 a.m. Message the game, 7.30 a.m. on Facebook. Guess who's back? Guess who's back? Back again. Beanie's back. Tell a friend. Guess who's back? Guess who's back? Here's your host and professional Hellraiser, Beanie Howell. Total BS on Offensive Minded. With Beanie and the DeWitt Dream, Steve Goff. It's the loudest manure chant I've ever heard. Well, happy Tuesday, everybody. And welcome to a Total BS edition of Offensive Minded. Beanie here, the DeWitt Dream, Steve Goff there. If you will... You know what? I would love to do the pleasantries and just ask you how you've been well, and how you enjoyed Monday Night Raw last night since I was right there with you. I was just going to say, well, I, uh, the best thing I can say is it was awesome because of the company that was there with me. Oh, well, wasn't that a nice holiday sentiment? Yes, sir. And now, in a totally different direction... <laughs> there's breaking news oh. just as we came on the air. That sounded incredibly inappropriate. Um, nope. But, anyway. Well, I'll have to debut that drop at a different time. Anyway, look at this headline. Seriously, during the end of show prep, like I'm getting ready to go on air, and this headline on ESPN.com. Michigan State Athletic Director eyed Mel Tucker separation before season, Mm. sources say. From Dan Murphy. Okay. All right. Let's, let's just go over the nuts and bolts in the story. Don't have to read the whole thing, obviously, but there are some things we need to go over. Michigan State Athletic Director Alan Haller said he wanted to separate former head coach Mel Tucker from the football team months before the 2023 season began, but the school's administration prevented him from doing so, according to multiple sources familiar with comments Haller made about the matter to the university's Board of Trustees in September. 
Haller fired Tucker for cause on September 27th, citing in part Tucker's admission that he had had a sexual encounter with a woman hired to speak to the team. That woman, of course, was prominent sexual assault awareness speaker Brenda Tracy, a rape survivor herself. She claimed Tucker harassed her and masturbated without her consent during a phone call. Tucker told university investigators that he and Tracy had an intimate, consensual relationship. In an initial termination letter sent on September 18th, Heller told Tucker that his admissions that he had flirted and had a sexual encounter with a school vendor were grounds for termination regardless of consent. The sources told ESPN that Heller was aware of Tucker's admissions months before taking any disciplinary actions against him and pushed to take the action sooner. Mm. Obviously, Tucker remained in charge of MSU football until he was suspended without pay in week two. After week two, Heller did not respond to a request seeking comment. There was comment here from an MSU spokesperson. So let me read you that part, too, from the story. In response to specific questions about when interim president Teresa Woodruff learned the information the school eventually used to fire Tucker... A university spokeswoman provided a general statement that said, in part, quote, best practices in investigations call for privacy in order to not influence outcomes. Privacy is also key to creating a culture around reporting incidents. We must create a safe environment for all individuals to come forward without a fear of institutional retaliation or dissemination of information regarding highly personal matters. Okay. That spokesperson, by the way, said MSU can no longer maintain privacy after the details of the reports of the report was made public by Tracy through the USA Today that Sunday, early Sunday morning, late Saturday evening in early September. Okay, so let's distill this down, Steve. Mm -hmm. The news is that Tucker wanted to either. Sorry. Thank you. What did I say, Tucker? Yeah. Yeah. The news is that Haller wanted to either suspend or fire Tucker before the season even began. But some level of MSU administration would not let him. So that's interesting, obviously. We hadn't heard that yet. Now, Haller does, you know, I was talking with Chris Solari, MSU beat writer for the Free Press before the show. And he clarified for me. Haller does have the ability to unilaterally fire coaches as the athletic director. He can do that. He can. Would that be smart, especially when other people in high levels or high positions at Michigan State within the administration don't agree? Probably not, especially if you want to keep your job. But also, I think there's going to be a knee-jerk reaction to this story Mm -hmm. that's going to be... Well, see, they knew all of it then, but they withheld and didn't take action till much later until it came out in the press and they had to do something. And I understand that the optics are bad, but I do think there's a extenuating circumstance or two here. Specifically this, a Title IX investigation was underway. That's a tricky thing to navigate because, mm-hmm. again, by the nature of the processes... No information can get out unless willfully released by any, either of the people on either side of the thing, right? The problem here is, and I don't know this, but I'm guessing that what happened was, yeah, sure, details got out one way or another and people hear things. 
And even if Haller didn't know enough, I'm guessing he probably wanted to suspend Tucker as soon as this started, as soon as they found out there was an investigation. Without any details, they just knew he was being investigated by the Title IX office. I'm guessing he probably wanted to suspend him then. I'm guessing what the story is talking about here, ESPN reporting that MSU's administration prevented him from doing so, I'm guessing that was on the advice of MSU's legal counsel. Right. Because remember, there was, what, $80 million on the line. Eight years of that 10-year, $95 million extension were left. Now, is that right or wrong? Whatever, that's up to you. But I'm guessing Michigan State's counsel advised the administration, Haller, everyone else, do not act on this while this Title IX investigation is ongoing, at least not yet, because it could really screw us over in a potential wrongful termination lawsuit. That's my read on it, that this was a business decision. And that would track with how they conducted it after the fact, once stuff started to come to light. So, look, I don't know if there's... I don't think there's a ton new in there in that story. Obviously, the big piece of news is now we have it sort of on the record from unnamed sources within MSU that Haller wanted to do something, whether it was suspend, fire, whichever. That's kind of nebulous in the story. He wanted to do something about Tucker before the season, well before the season started. Mm -hmm. But others in MSU admin said no. Didn't say why, but I think we can read between the lines as to why. It was a legal decision and a business decision. Your thoughts? I, everything you just said. And, and I, the thing, though, is, is I'm curious of why. I guess, I guess I like the fact that Haller wanted to do something about it as soon as he recognized it. That shows his credibility as a person. But... You're right. He does have that ability to let somebody go, but you've got to, everybody answers to someone as the saying goes, right? Yes. So he pulls the trigger on that, that situation and that starts a complete dumpster fire, even worse than what we already have. Bottom line is we're still where we, we would have been. There would still be wrongful termination activity. There would still be $80 million that we have to figure out if we're going to have to pay it or not and all that stuff. So really... Nothing is different. This this story doesn't yet have, I mean, it doesn't sway much for me, but it's interesting that he was aware of things before, but maybe he wasn't fully aware. I think a lot of that stuff came out during discovery, and then, of course, when things were released to the public. But then you have to wonder, like, if this is Hollywood, there are so many rabbit holes that we could go down and say he knew and he was part of it and this, that, and the other. Or, you know, does it all come back to him to release the info? Or I mean, there's, there's a myriad of things that, that could have happened. Well, I like to look at this and go, Haller knew he did, you know, Tucker did wrong. He wanted to, to get in front of it and, and cut it off and take the steps from there. The administration said, not while we're getting ready to start our season. Let's see how it plays out. I think if he had, whether it was suspension, certainly a termination, but even a suspension, if he had suspended Tucker when he wanted to, according to the story, I think that may have, well, that certainly would have given more credence to Tucker's eventual legal case. If he had fired him then, I think the wrongful termination lawsuit would have been filed immediately. Mm -hmm. 
And I think it would have gotten real nasty real fast. And I think this is all transactional. I don't think that Haller has it out for Tucker. I think Haller is doing his job to the best of his ability. I think so, but I've also heard from people who would know that, uh, let's just say, Haller was not Tucker's biggest fan. Nobody is. And he, well, before all this. Well, and exactly. He, he That's what I'm saying. He inherited him. Mm-hmm. Now, he was on the, the search committee that eventually hired him <laughs> hastily in February of 2020. But it ultimately was Bill Beekman's call. Um, I've been told by people who would know and that I trust that Alan Haller was not a big Mel Tucker fan. I don't think there are probably a lot of people that share that opinion prior to the season and maybe even early on during that tenure. Yeah. Um, look, uh, I know this was the storyline that came out right away when this all came to light with that USA Today story just a few hours after Michigan State beat Richmond in week two to get to 2-0. and USA Today bombshell comes out and everyone with a Twitter account or a sports radio show or even regular print space in a Detroit newspaper <laughs> was out there letting you know Michigan State was covering something up again. Yeah. Something nefarious was afoot. Here it is again. They all knew what had happened, and they were trying to keep it under wraps. So if that bothered you like it did me, and it bothered me on a professional level, because I used to be a journalist, and I know if I had done that, uh, there would have been consequences. Mm -hmm. And I don't think the game has changed that much in the 10 years that I've been, whatever, 12 years I've been out now. But to see some of the reporters, and I don't mean just, I'm not talking about talking heads like me. That's different. I, I expect unscrupulous, borderline malpractice from people like me <laughs> that yell into a microphone for a few hours every day. But I was really disappointed and, and troubled by the actions of some journalists on this. And I don't want to rehash all that. People know the names. I've already covered it. Right. If that bothered you too... I don't know if this is vindication. I don't know if it's good or bad. I d- so Tuck- or so Haller wanted to do something about Tucker before the season. Okay. That means nothing. Yeah, I, I'm not ready to throw him a parade. Mm-hmm. And because he didn't, I don't think that should mean he gets fired right now either. There are going to be some people who say that. Ugh. There are going to be some people who twist this into, see, they knew something was wrong, but they didn't do the right thing. But you have to understand... That's a hot take, and that's low-hanging fruit. Mm -hmm. What I'm saying is you'll hear that tonight on this station from 6 to 9 p.m., probably (laughs) repeatedly, probably more times than you hear shameless plugs for Brand Steakhouse. And Miller Lite. Yeah. Also, you'll probably hear more references to Michigan State covering things up and not doing the right thing when they knew what the right thing was, but choosing the easier thing to do or the self-satisfactory, you know, shameless job shaving mood job saving mood you're going to hear that non-stop from six to nine tonight i predict you're going to hear it more than you will hear oblivious reference references to that person's own insecurity complexes but i digress you have to understand the reality of a situation that the people at michigan state who were in the position to make this decision and this would be a big one They have high-powered attorneys that are paid a lot of money to give them advice on situations like this. What are you paying them for if you don't follow the advice? That's Mm -hmm. what they're there for. Now, that's not in the story. They don't report that in the ESPN story that 
MSU's legal counsel or otherwise advised, don't do anything yet. But that's the logical yeah, step. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. That's also why he, when they announced he was suspended, that's why he wasn't fired right then. Things, Be- don't, things don't occur in a vacuum here. You, you know, you, you, you can't just assume one thing to lead to another. And, and like I, you know, Haller may not have had all the details. He may not have had anything other than the surface level of this guy did wrong. I would like to, as a university, atone for it in some fashion. Yeah. That's where it ends. Yes. That, that has to be where it ends. You can't always just take the next step you want to take. Yes. Yeah. Um, and look, the story says Haller knew, but it doesn't describe what all he knew. Says it, it, there's something in the story about Haller knowing Tucker had admitted to having a sexual dalliance with Brenda Tracy. Mm. Does that mean he knew that Tucker copped to sexually harassing her? Which his side would argue he never copped to. Right. I I don't know. We don't know that. But also, I don't know if it changes anything. Because still, part of this is we live in an instant gratification society now. Mm -hmm. And it's like, there's an inkling of someone did wrong. Boom. I want their job. Fire them. Now. Here's what's going to happen. Blue fans are going to say, well, you didn't talk about due process for Harbaugh and all this stuff. Why, why are you talking about some kind of uh, steps needing to be taken for MSU? You know, like, I, you know, I don't so, know. Let, I just let, feel let, like that's, that's going to be an argument from the other side. And, and I'm equation. glad you said that because I should get out in front of that. Yeah. Let me be clear. I could care less about Mel Tucker's due process. Yeah. <laughs> this was not a legal matter necessarily. Title IX is, you know, it is legal, I guess. But this was within the, within the confines of Michigan State, right? This was a university policy Situation and violation. Yeah, this was like a regardless of what what is found. This was an HR issue. Correct. So I don't care about due process. There's no due process here. Mm-hmm. I'm not interested in defending Tucker's right to due process. Nope, don't nope. care because he didn't have one. This is an say HR that again. Moment. Say that again. Make it very clear that we don't support. You know the coach here and his actions. No, what I care about is the reality. And the reality is even if at that moment, even if Alan Haller or anyone else at Michigan state knew everything that we now know, they still couldn't fire him on the spot Mm -mm. because you are open yourself. That's that would be opening yourself up to legal problems up the wazoo. And that's why they didn't do it. Ultimately. The guy had $80 million left on his contract. Now, whether you think that's gross or just completely inappropriate that they were prioritizing that over the right and wrong of what Tucker did, fine. That's up to you. But you have to understand, at least you have to cop to the reality that the people making the decision had more to think about than just the optics. There was $80 million on the line. Mm-hmm. Also, their own jobs. Yeah, that's, that's fair to point out. And there definitely is some self-preservation at work. Because even though Tucker, was, the story says um, Haller was pre- prevented from taking any action against Tucker at that time by MSU administration, he could have given him the burden, done it anyway. Mm-hmm. He could have fired him on mm-hmm. the spot because he's the athletic director. He has unilateral authority to do that. But he didn't because he took the legal advice that they pay a lot of money to get 
And also, yeah, I think there are other factors, like he probably wants to keep his job. He probably didn't want to piss off donors. And at that point, remember, a lot of, well, not a lot, a, a significant chunk of Tucker's salary was paid for by two billionaire benefactors. Who knows what they thought about this? Mm-hmm. And you might think that's gross too, but that's a real factor in situations like this. Yep. The people who put up big money have big says. That's the nature of the situation. So the next time you're celebrating because Matt Ishbia helped something good happen to Michigan State, remember the, the downside to it. Matt Ishbia has a seat at the table mm-hmm. for decisions, too. That's the give and take of it. Yeah, I, I don't know that this is a huge development, Steve. I don't either. And, and I do want to say this. I, I think there's a huge difference between what goes on at, at, at these different schools. We stuck by, or Haller stuck by his decision when he was able to suspend the coach. There's been no, oh, yeah, but we need to free him up for this game. We need to do this, that, and the other. And I'm sure there's a lot of reasons for that. It's not like we are having great success anyway. But you notice that we, we took care of it internally as a school. We said, all right, this was wrong. We're going to take care of this. We are telling our coach, no way, goodbye. Get off the sidelines, stay out of the way, you know, and don't get in the way. The opposite is true down the road. Heaven knows I don't want to get into a discussion about what's going on in Ann Arbor. But it's just a big difference in how the realities come into play and how that, that is you know that guilt is treated well and it is two different situations i get that yeah very different but you still have to handle things with some kind of grace and some kind of you know intelligence i think it's a fair question i've heard a lot of people say how come when this investigation started and anyone in a position of administrative influence at michigan state found out mel tucker was under a Title IX investigation. That's all they would know. They wouldn't know anything about why or with whom or for yeah. what. But that enough, that alone would be enough to suspend him. Why didn't they do it? I think that's a fair question. Because one thing that bothers me, if you want to bring up due process, when this kind of crap happens, have you noticed coaches get due process, but players don't? Mm-hmm. If a player on Michigan State is under Title IX investigation, his ass is suspended. Mm-hmm immediately regardless of what administration knows or doesn't about the details of what he did or didn't do he has sat down until the process plays out how come that doesn't happen for coaches well i think we know why millions of dollars are at stake that's Mm -hmm. probably why but that to me that's not fair i think that's a fair question to ask but people don't see too too fascinated by that it's more of a we want a gotcha moment yeah ah look we caught michigan state covering something up we're at the 57th Uh. minute it's been an (laughs) hour you know this nc you know this ncis investigation the episode's almost over (laughs) is it going to be a cliffhanger i don't know look obviously i i think there are people who are going to interpret this the way they want to it's just times we live in i don't know that that's a new development either in the grand scheme of things it doesn't matter i don't know if this changes anything yet i think we need more i just what 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 could it change i don't think it could change anything well like the trajectory of alan haller's career here is probably look let's be clear that's that's what people are angling for certain people who will interpret this a certain way 
And that might wind up being accurate. I don't know. There are steps that need to be taken when these things go. You can't just, even if he does have the ultimate ability to completely just sever ties with someone. Which he does. He does, yes. And and that may be the case. Is that the intelligent move ever? You got to think about things. You got to think the thoughts. You got to think several moves ahead of what's going to happen if, and then go through whatever internal process is in place to handle it. Let's make it real simple. Here's why. Alan Haller didn't suspend or fire Tucker right when that happened. In my estimation. In my view. (laughs) In my view. Mm -hmm. The reason why he didn't is real simple. What happens if Tucker had been exonerated by the process? I'll tell you what happens. Massive lawsuit. And And if you think $80 million left on his deal is a lot, imagine the $80 million you'd still have to pay him because he would remain the coach because he would have been exonerated by the process, plus a lawsuit for suspending him Mm -hmm. when he hadn't done anything wrong. Yeah. Or even if if he loses that case, the black eye Michigan State would have walked away from from the entire process would have been costly enough. That's why. That's why. If it grosses you out that money was the ultimate consideration, I don't know what to tell you other than maybe you should just exit reality because the world largely operates with the most deference paid to money. Mm-hmm. That's boil any problem down to its essence. It's about money. That's why Michigan won't leave the Big Ten. That's right. why, you know. <laughs> Yeah, that's why the Big Ten levied a toothless punishment. Oh, Harbaugh can't be there on game days. But the other six days of the week, nothing's different. Yeah, you know why? Because they didn't want to piss off Fox. Because mm-hmm. Fox is paying big money to have Michigan at Penn State, to have Michigan versus Ohio State. That's why nothing is going to happen. I've heard people talking about the Michigan thing like, oh, there's another shoe about to drop. I guarantee you no shoe is about to drop until at least Sunday. That yeah. earliest. No other coach is going to get fired this week. No other damning development is going to come out that could cost someone an appearance in this game in Ann Arbor on Saturday. There is too much economically on the line. But after that, after Saturday, after Fox gets its the game, after that, (laughs) floodgates probably going to open. Yeah. It all comes back to money. I, I, I hate to sound so cynical. I mean, I don't. Because to me, I don't feel like that's cynical. I feel like that's realistic, pragmatic look at things. Just the truth. Yep. Not emotional, not personal, transactional. If you don't like that money is perhaps the main consideration Haller and company made here with regard what to do about Tucker over the summer or before, I guess I, I don't know what to tell you other than get on the first flight to Mars <laughs> because this is how things work on planet Earth in 2023. Everything is about money. And I don't think that's that new. I'm pretty sure it's always been that way. It's just we've gone through different periods of convincing ourselves otherwise, pulling the wool over our own eyes. What else today? Okay, we got other stuff to get to. MSU coaching search. There's some more tea leaves to get into there. Uh, we can talk about Michigan and Ohio State. I would like to do that about the game. I want to get into Lions. Specifically, we can look ahead to Thanksgiving. I don't think there's a ton to go. I think they're going to beat the hell out of the Packers. Mm -hmm. And I'm a cheesehead. I am not looking forward to it, even though I'm going to the game. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Not going to be fun for us. 
but I, I do want to talk about... Oh, it'll be fun for some people. Yeah. For Detroit fans. People in blue, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I do want to talk about what they did on Sunday. Mm. Because I feel like two very distinct schools of thought have formed from that. And it's fascinating to me. I want to get into that. And there's some other stuff that we may be able to make time for along the way. Okay, let's hit a break. On the other side, we already have a couple of messages and, and emails on this topic. We'll get to it. 517-300-4263. Phone lines open. Email address beanie at wvfnam.com. Use Facebook. Send us a message or comment there. Just search Facebook for the game, 730 a.m. Or use the free game, 730 a.m. app. And click chat in the main menu. Sends us a free message. Back in a couple. It's total BS on offensive-minded. Get your Detroit Lions pregame fix all season with nachos and kneecaps. The Lansing area's very own local Detroit Lions tailgate show. Presented by Momentum Health Center in Mason. Join yours truly, Beanie, from Offensive Minded on the game 7.30 a.m. and Brock Palmbush every week about two hours before kickoff. We cover all the Lions angles, player availability, matchups, outrageous Dan Campbell in-game decisions and audio, local ski mask sales, and everything else. Nachos and kneecaps presented by Momentum Health Center in Mason is also brought to you by Miller Lite. On Classic Rock 94.9 MMQ and the game 738 not afraid to be wrong but he's typically right anyhow on the game 730 a.m all right we're back so we're talking about that story just came out on espn alan haller wanted to take action on Mel Tucker before the season started, well before the season started, according to unnamed sources in the ESPN.com story from Dan Murphy. You want to weigh in on that? Literally be our guest. Here are all the ways. 517-300-4263. Email the show beanie at wvfnam.com. Use Facebook. Search Facebook for the game 730 a.m. to do that. Send us a message or post a comment. Can I, can I say s- something real? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I, I just I just embracing myself for this thing like, well, Haller knew, and this was his vendetta to get him let go, and he's, be, he's the mastermind behind all this stuff. I just, I just have a feeling that's going to... What do you mean by that? Like he orchestrated yes, this? Yes, like what? he orchestrated the exit and the release of the information and stuff that was allegedly leaked by whoever. This story today? No, 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 no. Oh, the to the USA Today. No, Brenda Tracy leaked it. We know that. She copped to it. She said well, she's the one who gave the US, USA Today those 1,200 pages because she heard that someone at MSU had leaked it. And remember, the board has opened, has hired the Jones Day law firm to investigate the, the source of the leak. Yeah. A spoiler alert. Mm. I've been told... <laughs> And this is going to shock everyone. Oh, boy. I've been told the leak came from, can you guess where? No, it wasn't Alan Haller. That's not what I've been told. Credible people have told me, embrace yourself. The leak came from within the boardroom. <gasps> Shocking. In fact, other board members have accused the board of doing that. So anyway, look, yeah. Par for the course around here. Anyway, let me go to the free game, 7.30 a.m. At, oh, no, I'm sorry. I meant email. Beanie at WVFNAM.com. Basketball Randy says, serious question. When was the last time you didn't have bad news about Michigan or Michigan State on a given day? When was the last time? Mm. Well, bad news is subjective. True. 
It all depends on your point of view. The quote-unquote bad news about Michigan has been anything but bad to me. Yeah, it's fantastic. <laughs> uh, I get what you're saying, though. When's the last time there wasn't some embarrassing off-the-field development about Michigan or Michigan State? I mean, I'm sure there's been some days fairly recently, but there definitely hasn't been a week in a while without one, right? Mm-hmm. You have to go back to before this Tucker stuff. So the first week of September, almost three months ago. After the game against Central, it was like, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Little did we know Connor Stallions was on the sideline. <laughs> oh, man. You know, I came in here. That was Labor Day. So we came in Tuesday. I came in here and did that show Tuesday. And I started the show off with a rant about how we shouldn't play Central anymore. I remember that. <laughs> because it's a lose-lose proposition. If you beat the hell out of them, fine. You were supposed to. And if it's anything competitive for more than, like, two series, yep. you're just going to... The fans are apoplectic, mm-hmm. and the media's on your ass for at least a week. Yep. <laughs> also, they've won four out of 13 times. Or they might as well be 13-0. and 0. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Yeah. But then I find out that they're harboring spies. <laughs> they have really loose lips over there. Jeez. Seriously, we shouldn't play them anymore. And they'd be fine. This isn't a punitive thing. It's just a, this is an excuse to get away from playing Central, and I would like to take it. <laughs> They'll be fine. They've made trips to Georgia, LSU, Notre Dame recently. I'm sure they would find someone else who would pay them $1.7 million to get their asses beat. Mm-hmm. There's a long list of suitors. They'd yeah, be okay. They'd be fine. I am a little bitter about it, though, to be honest with you. It is a little personal. Also, if, you, uh, if you're still holding out, you don't think that Groucho Marx-level disguise on the sideline, if you don't think that was Connor Stallions on the CMU sideline back then, it's been four weeks now, and CMU still hasn't announced who that person was. The sign-stealer guy? Yeah, that's an answer in and of itself. The NCAA is investigating, and that's going to take at least one person down over there. Probably more. Mm. Stay tuned. Starts at the top. There's also a lot of rumblings online and in message boards and Twitter that another Michigan coach is going to be taken down. I believe that. I think actually two more are going to go down at least, but for mm. sure two. But it ain't going to be this week. It just ain't. Because they're not going to let something upset the game. It's, it's too economically important. It really is. It's number two versus number three, all this blah, blah, blah. It's more about the advertising inventory lined up for this game. They aren't going to let something mess with that. They just won't. So if you're someone out there who's salivating for the next, you know, sacrificial lamb from the Michigan assistant coaching staff, it ain't going to be this week, guys. Sorry to tell you. How are you feeling about that game? Michigan and Ohio State? Yeah. Buckeyes getting four and a half. Oh, now it's four. I saw, I saw minus three a, little, a few minutes ago. As it moved back down, it opened at three and a half, and then it was up to four and a half yesterday. I see Michigan's a three-point favorite, and the, the over-under on the points is 46 or something I'll like be that. damned. It's three and a half. Yeah. Right here on Action Sports. Mm-hmm. Okay. How do you feel about that? Mm. Well, I, I, I'm going to Ohio State, so I, I think Ohio State more than covers the the uh, point spread, but I think they're going to flat out beat them. 
I think Ohio State's going to beat Michigan. I think Michigan's got their first loss. You're the third person to tell me that. Dr. J and Tim both have said the same thing. But Tim vacillates back. He, this was 72 hours ago. He could think completely different. Ring him up. I love Mr. Stout. Get him on the phone. And, uh, and you ask him right now if he's still committed to Ohio State. I bet he says yes. We actually have a red line direct to Tim. It's a rotary phone. <laughs> hey, Hello? Ex- Beachwood 45789. Explain to me why Ohio State wins in Ann Arbor this weekend. I just think that Michigan hasn't played a team like them yet. And I honestly feel like Ohio State is going to be up for this game. I think Ryan Day really, really, really wants to stick it to him. Don't you think both teams are going to be up for it? Though? I do. Uh, of course, they're they're both you know huge programs. That I mean, these are top upper echelon programs. I just, I don't know. I just feel like if any team has a chance this season to knock Michigan on their keister, it's Ohio State. Well, yeah, they have the best shot, but that's because Michigan hasn't really played anybody. So, I don't. I just I don't see it. I don't comes before the fall. <laughs> I don't think karma is real. I just don't. And if I've heard a lot of people say, like Tim told me off air on the tailgate show Saturday, he said, I just think they're due to lose. And I got to believe the football gods. There are no such things. Well, maybe not, but this, I don't know, dude, this, you're asking me my opinion on it. And I'm telling you, I think Ohio state wins. Okay. So for two straight years, Ohio State has not been able to physically withstand Michigan at the point of attack on either side of the ball. I don't see anything to make me think that'll change enough to flip the outcome. Is Ohio State a better team than Penn State? Oh, yes or no? Yes. How much better? Considerably. 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 Penn State hung in there with Michigan the other day. Well, yeah, but they hung in there with Uh, Ohio State, too. Okay. In Columbus. But I'm just saying... Transitive, that that, that tells you right there. I, it may not be a transitive situation. However, I think that does tell you that there's a good matchup there. It's gonna be. I think it's gonna be a great game. I just think that maybe some some turnovers go the wrong way. Some opportunities arise, and for once in my life, I'm rooting for Ohio State on Saturday. So, if I were a Michigan fan, there would be a couple of things that I would be pretty nervous about. One. Michigan just has not run the ball to the level anyone expected this Except year. Except against Penn State. <laughs> Smack him in the mouth three straight. yards at a time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but even then, it wasn't consistent. It was like they got stuff, stuff, stuffed, spurt. Yep. Stuff, stuff, yeah, stuff, yeah. stuff, stuff. 20-yard run. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it balances out and, and averages out to like five yards a carry, which is really good against an excellent Penn State defense. But... They just have not looked like the dominant ground game they've had the last two seasons. That would worry me. Mm-hmm. Their tackles look shaky at Penn State. People keep complaining from the Michigan side about them running the ball 32 times. Do you know why? Because their tackles couldn't protect J.J. McCarthy. Mm-hmm. So Sharon, Sharon Moore made the right call and said, the only way Penn State's getting back in this game is if we cough the ball up and I'm not going to let J.J. get sack stripped here. We're going to run the ball 32 times to close this game, and it worked. But those tackles were shaky. And I think Penn State has the best defense in the Big Ten, talent-wise. I don't know if they put it all together as well as some others. Penn State, I don't think, or excuse me, Ohio State, I don't think has the same level of talent, believe it or not, on off on defense. But their defense is definitely better. 
I just know I just don't know if it's enough. If I'm a Michigan fan, I'm worried about the ground game not being as good. I'm worried about those tackles, and I'm worried that if it comes down to J.J. McCarthy having to win the game, that he won't be capable of it. Because he just... I, there's only been one time in his tenure as a starter where Michigan has needed him to go out and win the game for him, and he threw two pick sixes, and it was against TCU. Mm. And the other storyline is what effect will the whole sign stealing thing have like has Michigan lost an advantage there I I definitely think that created a significant advantage for them over the last three seasons yes but the shame of it is I don't think they needed it for most of these games even the Ohio State games because I think they've just they've built this thing with Ohio State's weaknesses in mind specifically punching them in the teeth Right up the middle. Ohio State hasn't been able to withstand it physically. Maybe it'll change this year because Ohio State went on the road at Notre Dame, a team that plays similarly to Michigan. Not as good, obviously. But they withstood that and won it at the end. You know what else? Um, I got to be honest with you. I For most of the season, I thought there's no chance of Ohio State going into Ann Arbor and winning because of the quarterback, Kyle McCord. First year as a starter, this will be his first entry in the game and it's on the road and Michigan's really good. Also, Ohio State has two brand new tackles this season, but they're playing better than Michigan's. But the point was like, how can I pick a a first year starter to go in there and change this story that has been very overwhelmingly in Michigan's favor the last two seasons? I couldn't. But if you look at the stats, McCord has better numbers than McCarthy. And McCord has got no Heisman hype, none, because it's not sexy. Mm-hmm. He doesn't run. That's sexy. <laughs> and Ohio State's offense has regressed this year, even though they have the best player in college football. I don't, I don't think that's why anymore. I'm, I'm not going to limit it to McCord as the reason why they can't win this game. That, that's not it for me. I don't think that's as big of a deal anymore. I just, I'm going to have to see it to believe it, that Ohio State can overcome the physicality element. And if they can... Can Michigan cover Harrison? Oh, boy. Well, because th- if you can find him open or get it close, that guy's scoring some touchdowns this weekend. See, I don't I think, care if it is Michigan. I think Penn State's defense is better, and they couldn't. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing. I don't think they have to. All they have to do is keep him from single-handedly beating them, and I think they can do that Yeah, because they're good enough elsewhere to you know, put more attention on him. So... Yeah, that's going to be the game plan, I think, for Michigan. Keep Marvin Harrison Jr. from single-handedly beating you. I think they're capable of doing that. I think it's more about, like, how will Ohio State's defense handle Michigan? I think they've got a better shot than the last two years because Michigan's ground game is not, it just isn't right. And that offensive line on the edges is not right. So punch him in the mouth early. That's it. That's the game plan. The, here's an interesting tidbit. Will Harbaugh's absence during the game have an impact? I just don't see it. Me neither. It, if it does, if it will have an impact, I think it's a positive for Michigan in the rah-rah aspect, that whole Michigan versus everyone, Ugh. which is so tired and played out. It's like the Chiefs winning the Super Bowl last year and Travis Kelly, Kelsey saying, no one believed in us. Dude. Everybody believed in you. <laughs> Every prognosticator picked you before the season went to Super Bowl. <laughs> Michigan's doing the same thing. No one believes in us. Oh, yeah, except everyone who has a show and makes a pick. They're America's team. 
Yeah, on, exactly. Jimmy. Come on. You can't have Michigan versus everyone shirt and your coach saying you're America's team. It's one or the other. Free Harbaugh. <laughs> Jeez. Will Michigan cover the, the three and a half, though? I would say yes. I would say yes. Here's a message in the free game, 730 a.m. app. Kenny and Hastings says, who won the bean counter contest from Michigan State, Indiana? I thought I mentioned that yesterday. Did I not? Okay, well, anticlimactic, but it was Brett in Diamonddale who hit it right on the head. 45. I thought I mentioned that yesterday. Maybe I didn't. I'm sorry if I didn't. Um, another one here in the free game, 730 a.m. app that I just lost. <laughs> Where the hell did it go? Okay, here we go. Uh, John Freeberg, the mayor of Holt. Do you think the Lions can get the number two seed? They should be favored in most games instead of Dallas. All right, and then he asked who won studs and duds. I did that yesterday too. Okay, we'll get to that. Let's take a break. We'll come back. This is all fair game to weigh in on for any of you on the other side of the radio, but we got to get into MSU coaching search and some Lions talk. Back in a couple. Total BS edition of Offensive Minded. The Detroit Red Wings are back for another season on the Lansing Sports Network. He shoots, he scores on a backhand. Lansing's Big Talker, 1240 WJIM. Never miss a game again, whether you're on the go or just like doing it the old-fashioned way and sitting around the radio. He scores from the right side goal line. Every face-off and every playoff can be heard on Lansing's exclusive home for Detroit Red Wings hockey. 1240 WJIM, Lansing's only home for hockey. WWVFN East Lansing, a town square media station. The game, 7.30 a.m. Lansing's only sports station. Mall. From Comerica, Comerica Park, Park to Jackson Field, we've got the sports opinions that matter to you. From the Driven Collision Studios, we make friends by accident. On the game, 7.30 a.m. It's total BS on Offensive Minded. With Beanie and the DeWitt Dream, Steve Cook. It's the loudest manure chant I've ever heard. 505 in the capital city. Offensive Minded, total BS edition here. Beanie and the DeWitt Dream, Steve Goff, aforementioned. We've covered the breaking news right before we took the air. ESPN has a story that Alan Haller wanted to take action on Mel Tucker before the season, but others in MSU admin prevented him from doing so. That's still fair game if you want to weigh in on that. We talked a little Michigan-Ohio State point spread, four and a half, excuse me, three and a half, and some angles to that. That's still fair game, too. About to shift into some lion stuff and MSU coaching search, really heating up. But before, let's uh, clean up some phone calls, shall we? Dreams. Yes. Okay, 517-300-4263. Joe and Lansing, what's up, man? Hey, what's going on? So my total BS would be like, this: if, if Ohio State gets beat by Michigan, this would be, what, three years in a row? Yeah. Okay, see, now, when things like that go on, you get the uh, the people that don't really have their heads screwed on tight and want would want Ryan Day's had to be, you know, mm-hmm. want to, you know, ax him. 
and who else who else would they get and if he's waiting in the wings which would never happen why could Michigan State sign him I mean I'm not saying they're going to fire him right but there's going to be there's going to be some brass out there that ain't going to be too happy about losing this to Michigan three years in a row yeah considering that's that's the uh that's the rivalry game so-called so well look um let me address that I think there's a I think that's a serious possibility. I really do. Uh, Tim doesn't agree. We've Sad. talked about this. Tim's, I guess Tim spent some time with some Ohio State movers and shakers this summer, and he said, they like him. Yeah, well, ask him again after they've lost three straight to Michigan, gotten their asses chased out of each of those games. If they get blown out again by multiple scores, I think it's going to be really hard for Ryan Day to keep his job. And is that right or wrong? Doesn't matter. That's just what would happen. But the guy's record, let's, let's talk about it. He's 54 and 6. So if he loses, he would be 54 and 7. And three of the seven would be against Michigan in games that are probably going to be vacated eventually. But it's it, it would cost him his job. I'm convinced. Yeah, because not only would they lose to Michigan a third straight year, that'd be no Big Ten title for three straight years. And then two of the three years, no playoff uh, appearances. So yeah, I could see it. I don't know who they would get. To, to, to your point, Joe, I know a lot of people would say, well, Urban Meyer's out there. I don't know. I, I think he's kind of the grudge-holding type, and I, I know he doesn't like how that went down there at the end with the whole Zach Smith yeah. thing. So Harbaugh well, might be available. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, you could just walk across the field. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what they would do, but I do know Michigan State, the timing wouldn't work out. They wouldn't be able to hire Ryan Day because Michigan State's going to introduce their next coach next week or the week after that. And... I don't know if Ryan Day would be fired fast enough for Michigan State to do that. No, no, definitely not. It was just, it was just some kind of thought that I had, and, and like I said, it's a total BS addition. And yeah, it, like I said, it would be BS if anybody out there with that record that he has, what he's done for that program, would say, "Hey, fire that guy. We don't like him." Is the trajectory you know, he, uh, of his career the same as Harbaugh? I mean, they pretty much been there the same amount of time no, no. in each school. No, How no, long no. Has Harbaugh Harbaugh is in year nine, okay. and Ryan Day is in what year five? One, you two, extrapolate three. the wins and losses per year. How does that match up? You mean like what's Harbaugh's record? Yeah. Oh, that's, oh Ryan Day's is way better. Right. Harbaugh lost yeah. to Ohio State a bunch of times. Ryan Day is sorry. Here's his updated record: uh, fifty-five and six. <laughs> that's really freaking good. Thirty-eight and two in the Big Ten. He's only lost Big Ten games to Michigan. And again, those are going to get vacated. Mm -hmm. So it's it's wild to think about, but I honestly believe it, Joe. I think if Michigan pounds them again, he's fired. That's sad. Wow. It is, but it's not. They're different down there. It's a different breed. Like Ohio State would never give their head coach until year seven to beat Michigan. Michigan did that for Harbaugh. Ohio State would never do that. Never. No. No. And and, and I could even bring up some other. Uh, things if if we got a minute. Um, speaking of basketball, like I I would think there were some teams that would like. Um, I'm not I'm not like getting on Izzo's case, but you got to figure twenty twenty how many intensity tournaments in a row? Twenty six, twenty five. Mm. Yeah, twenty five now. Fours, one, eight, eight final or eight final fours, one national championship. Yeah, that w- that wouldn't cut it at a lot of schools. I mean, I mean, it's a great accomplishment, but it's not, you know, if you if you go to twenty something national or twenty seven uh, tournaments in a row, chances are you at least 
could pull two or three out of that. What schools do you think would fire their coach for that? Uh, I think I don't think Kentucky would because John Calipari hasn't done anything in a long time, and he's still there. Would Kansas? Uh, Kansas maybe. Kansas. I, I don't know. Carolina. I, I remember though, Bill Self just got his second title, but it was like what twelve years, thirteen years in between. They let him go for a long time without doing anything. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, they did. I don't know. I don't know about that. I think the bigger thing would be, you know, he's averaging, Izzo has averaged, what, like 13 losses per season the last three years? That, that, yeah, that's the bad part about it. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know where that, I don't know if that would last very long at North Carolina or someone like that. No, no. Okay. All right. Thanks, Beanie. Thanks, dude. Appreciate it. But, the, you know, there, you, therein lies the point. You know, state's not a blue blood. Blue mm-hmm. blood has different level expectations. I was just going to say thanks, Joe, for getting him on the blue blood tangent again. <laughs> Jeff is up next. What's up, Jeff? Well, Joe sounds like a Michigan fan all of a sudden. I know. He's a nice guy, but I, <laughs> there's no way someone would t- turn down Tom Izzo as a coach. Nobody's Agreed. done what he's done in that 25 years. That's not why I called, but I couldn't believe I heard that. <laughs> I don't think he was being a Michigan uh, I, fan, though, because he started the call defending Ryan Day, yeah. right? Yeah. You mean the next coach of Michigan State after Ohio State fires him? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, dude, uh, I'm, look, if that were possible, I'd be all for it because it's hard to find an available too. coach who would be 55-7 and seven with three of the losses not even real, going to be vacated. But mm. the timing just wouldn't work out, I don't think, unfortunately. As far as the breaking news, I think there's nothing to see here. If anything, it makes Haller look better, yep. and and it's really not that big of a deal. Yeah, look, I'm with you. Uh, I think it's interesting that we have people semi going on record to say it now, but I, I just don't know that it changes anything for me. Do you see anything different here? Nothing different at all, except for maybe he did know for sure, and before we weren't sure what they knew, but other than that, he wanted to do the right thing, and he was held back probably by our outstanding board that we have. And I just think it makes him look better that coming out that he wanted to do something. All right, man. Thanks Jeff, for the call. you should run for one of those seats. I'd vote for the you. The board seat? Yeah. yeah. Hey, well, you got two votes right here. Yeah, go, ahead. Ohio State go ahead, Jeff. Who cares? <laughs> the Big Ten has been horrible this year. Neither one of them has played anybody. And whichever team gets in the playoffs is going to get their butt kicked anyway. Doesn't matter. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for it. the call, Jeff. <laughs> Great take. <laughs> it's going to be the highest build game of the season again. It's going to be the number one viewed game. Again, going to have the most ad inventory and revenue attached to it again. Unfortunately. It's a playoff elimination game. But Jeff's response to Ohio State, Michigan this weekend? Nobody cares. Nobody cares. <laughs> you know what, though? He, he makes a good point. But, man, this is the first year that I makes me nervous because I think Michigan could probably go toe-to-toe with a lot of these teams. I mean, I really do. If they That's a good it. topic. Who do you think Michigan hands down couldn't beat? Couldn't beat? Yes. Is think, there anybody? I don't think they could beat Georgia. I agree. Even though Georgia looks mortal this year, comparatively. I, I think Alabama has looked pretty mortal. Um, they'd give them a tough battle. I think Alabama's gotten a little bit better, oh, though. Oh, they have. They, they found sure. traction. But um, they've been up and down in the rankings and such. But, yeah, I, that, that'd be a good game. Um, shoot, we don't even know if Michigan can get past Ohio State. Let's be honest. Yeah, but we know they could beat them, though. Yeah, I don't think they can beat Georgia. Um, if if Washington gets in there, they could beat Washington. You know, I think. Uh, yeah, 
It'd be t- oh my god, Washington! It's so fun to if, watch. If they get the ball last within six points, Washington's going to beat whomever. That's uh, exactly. just how it works. They just, but I think Michigan could beat them still. Mm-hmm. Oregon. I, th- I don't think Michigan could beat Oregon. Yeah, they're, nope. They're I think playing Oregon, great ball. Yes, they are so good, just solid. Mm-hmm. It's hard to find a weakness on Oregon, and they've gotten better since losing. Yeah. you know, a, 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 to a field goal mm. at Washington. You know, so. Yeah, Georgia, I think I don't think Michigan could beat Georgia. I think they could beat Alabama, but on a neutral field, I'd still pick Alabama. Mm-hmm. I don't think they could beat Oregon. I think they could beat Washington, but if it came down to a neutral field playoff game, I would probably pick Washington because I don't believe the quarterback for Michigan could keep up. I don't think he'd be able to outduel Michael mm-hmm. Penix. No. Aside from that though, I yeah, I I think they could beat Florida State, especially now. The quarterback's out. Mm-hmm. Who are we missing here? Oh, the Big 12 champion. Texas. I think Michigan could beat them. Texas has some issues, too. Yeah. Like they've got a lot of critical dudes in the trenches injured, and it's, it's showing. They've had some very uncomfortably close games. And Manning's uh, leaving, too. Is he? Well, didn't you say that? No, no. That he, he just said the opposite. Oh, he's sticking. Well, his, his grandpa came out, Archie did, yeah. and said, what's this one's name? Arch? Arch Archie is, is the grandfather. Yeah, and Arch is the kid, right? The Arch kid. Manning? Yeah. That's confusing. It is. Well, grandpa said grandson is happy and not leaving Texas, despite huh. Quinn Ewers maybe coming back. Now, keep Time in mind, tell. Arch made $1.6 million as a redshirt this year in NIL. Not bad. <laughs> yeah, not bad did. for a college freshman. He's not exactly starving. Get a job. Not that I got he, one. Not that he needs money. Right. The family's fine. Yeah. I don't know. Am I missing a team? I don't think so. I, I, I think that's, that's, that's the scary part about this Michigan team. Well, I, look, I, st- I still wouldn't pick them to win a national championship. I still don't think it's going to happen. I think they'll run, into, they'll run into somebody. Georgia's got Brock Bowers back now, too. That's a problem mm-hmm. for everybody else. And maybe he's not 100%, but by the time the playoff rolls around, he probably will be. I think we're increasingly looking at a likelihood if Alabama beats Georgia in the SEC championship game of two SEC teams in the playoff again. Because they aren't going to keep Georgia out with one loss if it's a close loss to Alabama and the SEC title game, considering they've won two straight national championships. Right. And then you can't keep Alabama out if you put Georgia in, (laughs) even though they have one loss, they'd be in. Oh, yeah. Saban would love to be able to beat them twice. They were just talking about this on ESPN, that they think virtually every one loss, any one loss conference champion in the Power Five would get in ahead of Michigan if they don't beat Ohio State. That's because Michigan's schedule is nothing. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that's true. I think Oregon wins the SEC or Pac-12 title game. They're in over Michigan. If Michigan doesn't win the Big Ten. I think a one loss Alabama... SEC champion gets in over Michigan, who didn't play in the Big Ten title game. I agree with that. Yep. Now, what's interesting is, would a one-loss Louisville AC cha- ACC champion get in over a Michigan that sat home with one loss, didn't get to the Big Ten title game? That's a tougher one. <sighs> I mean, they got one loss, though, and they would have beaten Florida State, although they've lost their quarterback. Oof. Florida State ahead of Michigan? With one loss? Probably not, even though they have a better strength of schedule because the quarterback's out. Mm-hmm. You know, 
if he didn't get hurt, it's a different that that counts. You know, these are people making the decision, not BCS computers. Right. <sighs> you know, if Louisville does it, if Louisville wins the ACC championship game, they deserve to be in, I think, because they would have beaten Florida State in back to back weeks. Jeez. They have to beat Florida State in the regular season finale and then beat them again the next weekend in the ACC championship game. Wow. How do you keep them out if they do that? You don't. Even without the starting quarterback for Florida State. How do you keep... That's a huge back-to-back week if you can pull that off. Yeah, by the way, too bad Brian Brom... Excuse me, that's his brother who the Packers drafted and he never amounted to anything. Uh, Jeff Brom. Too bad Jeff Brom didn't stick it out at Purdue one more year. Mm. Wouldn't he be nice to have at Michigan State? That dude can coach, dude. Yeah. He's an ass-chewer too like mm-hmm. he's old school but he can, he can coach offense sure let's talk about that let's take a break so we have time to talk about msu coaching search urban meyer included there there's the red meat the fan base wants <laughs> total bs on offensive mind it's the white law pllc tailgate show on the lansing sports network the big talker 1240 wjim and classic rock 94.9 mmq a tradition in lansing for over 20 years with your hosts the dean of sports tim stout and offensive-minded host Beanie howell powered by white law pllc doubting industries Shoepan and sons recycling industrial services gravity smokehouse and chandler's top shelf this is the white law pllc Hellgate show. The guy who signed a contract agreeing to listen to your bit. I mean, complaining. Beanie Howell with offensive minded on the game 730 AM. All right, so it's possible, Dream. Yes. Speaking of Dream Police, Dream. If you will, trying to put hard times. <laughs> well, that's a good segue because in as little as a week, but certainly I think within two weeks, Michigan State will trot the 26th Spartan head football coach out to the podium in the Hall of History at Breslin Center to introduce him. If I held oh, a gun near it. Or... Will they trot him out at halftime <laughs> while we're there watching live, local, and late breaking on Friday? I doubt it because those guys will ha- probably have games the next day and won't be able to do that. Well, you got to quit sometime. Well, uh, look, if I put a gun to your head and you have to get it right to survive, mm. who is it? Who's the next coach? Not Urban Meyer. But name who it is. Not who you want, who you think it'll be, because you got to get it right. I think it's going to be Candle from Toledo. Okay. No, I don't. I really don't. I just thought that to make you upset. Well, look, I unfortunately, <laughs> a couple of days ago, I thought that, but my mind has changed recently. Yeah. That's if if you had a gun to my head until forty eight hours ago, I would have said that. Did yeah. the Twitter, sorry, X snafu with the locations ruin the chances for the one guy to get the job at Mississippi State? Do you think maybe um, he's back in the running or possible for us? Oh, I th- oh, for Michigan State? I don't think he's ever been in the running at Michigan State. Well, wouldn't that be a sleeper pick? That would be awesome. Yeah. I just, I don't think they are in the slightest interested in him because of cultural differences. All right, I'm going to go with Jimbo Fisher. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, no thanks. Wins a lot of games. Does he, though? Does he? Also, um... 
The Texas A&M opening is very interesting to me because I think they're going to really disappoint their fans. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to hire that trailer guy out of Texas San Antonio. And the reason is the reporting out there on Texas A&M is when they decided to fire Jimbo Fisher, they before they made the call, they wanted to figure out why it didn't work. Yeah. And the consensus was he wasn't Texan enough. Which is, I think, silly too. But that they're going to hire a Texas guy. Yeah. So yeah. it's not going to be Urban Meyer. You know, it's not going to be Mike Norvell at Florida State. They're going to hire a Texan because they think that was the whole issue. He yeah. just he didn't have enough of that Texas culture in <laughs> Republic of Texas. <laughs> um, All right, fine. I'm going with Mike Elko. Okay. Yeah. Honestly, from the from the beginning, that's uh, honestly. I think uh, if we can't have Urban, I I do like him a lot. I like Mike Elko. I, I think he'd be a good... You're not concerned? They're 6-4 and four right now. No. After a 9-4 and four year in year number one. Add Duke. It's Duke. Mm-hmm. You know. But also, people say that all the time. And do they realize the guy before him, Dave Clawson, he won nine games a couple of times at Duke. It's not like it's unheard of. I'm not saying it's easy. Yeah. Because it sure as hell ain't. But, yeah, you know, it seems like... First of all, Alan Heller has done a really good job of battening down the hatches on oh, this. There's not a lot the getting out. Nope. Yeah. So, but what is getting out, it does seem like the search is coalescing into two people, a two-horse race right now, Elko and Oregon State's Jonathan Smith. So a week ago, if you had tell, told me, you know, gun to your head, you got to get it right, who's the next coach? I would have said Jonathan Smith. Mm-hmm. But then you got the report that UCLA is – thinking about firing Chip Kelly. There was a report they were going to fire him right after the USC game, but then he beat the hell out of them in L.A., and they didn't. Right. If he gets fired, I think Jonathan Smith will go to UCLA for a host of reasons. One, same region, West Coast. He grew up in Pasadena, way more familiar with that and the recruiting turf. The guy has no experience west, excuse me, east of the Rockies. So that's the risk with him. After that, you know, when I thought he would go to UCLA about the end of last week, then I thought we're going to get saddled with Jason Candle. Now, I think it's Jonathan Smith again, based on the tea leaves out there. I don't have inside info. No one's telling me they're in high-level negotiations or anything like that. You're off the herb wagon. Well, I never thought he was going to be the guy. That's who I want. I never thought he was going to be it if we had done this exercise at any given point. Of course, that's who I would pick. Actually, you know... If I had my complete druthers, I would go with Jamie Chadwell because oh, I think yeah. he's the next Urban Meyer. But it seems like Michigan State's not interested in him. What a shame. Yeah. Well, hey, speaking of Urban Meyer here, let's because there, there's a good chunk of people out there that are just not letting this go. And you know what? More power to you. All well and good. I just think when a preponderance of people who cover this thing professionally tell you there's no chance, you should probably listen to them. Mm-hmm. And I understand there were a few people out there sharing some things that show there may be some embers still burning. Okay, fine. But I'm going to side with the guys who have been doing this forever, and they all seem to be in unison. What doesn't mean, like, look, if Urban Meyer runs out of the tunnel at halftime at Ford Field in green, I would love it. Mm-hmm. Pinch me. I must be dreaming. Yep. Oh, but Dr. Just, J will be so excited. I just don't think it's real or even close to real. But here's Urban Meyer. He's been doing this at least once a week. He's on some Florida Gators, like, 
online show, some YouTube podcast. It's called A Peek Inside Florida Gators Football Okay, with some pretty blonde lady. And here she is. She asks him straight up about, she doesn't say a specific opening. But, you know, she talks about, it's obvious she's talking about either Texas A&M or Michigan State. Take a listen. And in connection to the Michigan State opening a week ago, and now that Texas A&M is going to be looking for a new head coach. So she does say the specific school. Sorry. Head coach, mm. your name's getting thrown around there. It's firing season, so there's going to be a lot of wishful thinking about you going around. Any chance anybody convinces you to come out of retirement? No desire, Ali. I, I love what I'm doing. and That ship sailed, and I'm very grateful for, I think it was 37 years in the game, and, and loved it, and He's uh, wringing his hands. no desire. So is that your take from that, the body language? Yes. I showed Dr. J this, and she said the same thing. She said, look at his hands and look at his face. That's a lion face if I've ever seen one, is what she said. Yeah. And I think that's a Spartan logo on his shirt. <laughs> no, not. I'm just kidding. I, look, at what point it's do like we just OP. believe the guy? He said the same thing for two months now. At what point do we believe him? Look at his face, though. Well, describe to the people. It's like what a is- riverboat gambler face. <laughs> Gosh. It's kind of like, I'm holding the cards. You don't know if I'm holding the, you know the right ones or not. I got pocket aces. Or do I? Well, at least he's holding cards and not something else while he's on the phone to a pretty white lady. <sighs> we could use that kind of improvement in the coaching around <laughs> this place. True. <laughs> anyway. But at what point, Steve, seriously, do we just believe and take him at his word? Because the, the story has not changed. In fact, like the verbiage has been the same throughout. No desire. Mm-hmm. I love what I'm doing. He has said that nonstop for two months now. Does he love what he's doing? How could you not? He works like three days a week and gets seven million bucks. <laughs> and the rest of the time he spends in Sarasota golfing. Yeah. that's. Yeah. I would take that. I would love what I'm doing. Yeah. Now, I get what you're saying. He's one of those pathological types who's obsessed with competition and could winning. see him doing a press conference to all the people that asked me if I was coming back. Sorry. That's what's happening. Is this is following the same track he did when he took the Ohio State job. It was right. remarkably similar. So I get it. Mm-hmm. And I get he's just wired to be a football. It's clear that's what he was born to do. I just, at what point, though, do we just take him at his word? Is it going to take someone else being introduced as the head coach for this to be over? I guess. I think so, too. For the reality to set in? Yeah. Yeah. Because you see the whites of their eyes? Today, listen to this. You know, there's a good chunk of MSU fans out there, God bless them, who have been all over flight tracking. Oh. You know, this is a common thing in fan bases online when their job is open. But the state fans found today there's a flight from Sarasota that stops in Columbus, then comes to Grand Rapids, and then flies to Pontiac. And that's apparently verification that it's Urban Meyer. The, the rationale goes, he lives in Sarasota. He's mm-hmm. getting on a flight to Columbus where he will officially divest himself of his Ohio State ties, which would be necessary to taking the Michigan State job. Because remember, he's on the board of directors for Ohio State's NIL collective. Mm-hmm. So he would officially take care of business there, fly to Grand Rapids to meet with some highfalutin Michigan State donors because Michigan State does have a huge Grand Rapids presence, as we saw we last night. last night. <laughs> All the Michigan State real estate, downtown yep, Grand Rapids. Plenty of it. And from there, they would fly out to Pontiac. Why Pontiac? Pontiac is the headquarters of a certain mortgage company 
headed up by a certain billionaire benefactor of a Michigan State persuasion, who also is building a massive mansion slash amusement park for one miniature golf course (laughs) uh, near Pontiac. So I I get it. That's fun to do. It is fun. And I enjoy reading it. It is fun, but how realistic is it? It's not. Right. It's just not. It's not because we're Michigan State and we just never get a big, sexy name and we're used to it. Or you just feel like in your heart of hearts, it's just a pie in the sky situation. I guess a little column A, a little column B. But mostly what it comes down to for me is this. I know personally a lot of the people covering this story Mm -hmm. and covering Michigan State for years now. I know them, many of them personally and even more of them professionally. And I know they're pros. And I trust them. Yeah, People like Chris Solari. Mm Mm-hmm. Graham Couch. You know, I know these guys. And I know they're good at what they do. And I know they are not out there. They're, they're Urban Meyer truthers in the MSU fan base that think the beat writers have been, like, contracted by Michigan State to run a blatant disinformation campaign. That is not happening. To float out all these other names to take heat off of the Urban Meyer angle so that it can get done without anyone else knowing. I'm telling you, I promise that the Michigan State beat writers are not doing business for Michigan State. No. I promise. Not at all. I am willing to stake my reputation on it. Not that that means anything. <laughs> you beat me to it. <laughs> because I come on here and play <laughs> drops like this. Stuck it up our... <laughs> I still can't believe he said that. Who would you go down on if you were picking a coach, Beanie? Hmm. Hmm. Tim... Have you heard of Jason Campbell? I go down on this guy. Right. Did I say Jason Campbell? It's Jason Candle. Candle. I'm conflating you Jason Candle with his mentor, Matt Campbell. Validating the listeners that called in that suggested that now. You're validating. Suggested what? That we hire somebody like Jason Candle. Look, I hate that idea, and I don't need I to know. go over why. <laughs> and I'm honestly, look. I love how much you hate that idea. I feel so much better in the last 48 hours because... I'm I'm confident it's not going to be him now. Yeah. Now that could change. How about the guy from Ferris State? Jesus Christ. <laughs> Let's not do that again. Oh. <laughs> Apparently, and I listened to a little bit of this. Mm. Uh, some people online were saying Stout yesterday was going on and on about Harlan Barnett getting the job. Now listen, mm. I know Tim pretty well. And I know sometimes he says things just to be contrarian. <laughs> We all do in this line of work, to some extent. Mm-hmm. But I know Tim isn't an idiot. And I know in his heart of hearts, he doesn't believe Harlan Barnett's going to get the job. Right. But I went back and listened to it. And what Tim actually said, and I should have cut this up. Um, damn. Well, what Tim said was he honestly can't remove Harlan from the consideration. He doesn't think he's necessarily out of it. Sure. Which might as well be a crazy person statement that can get you institutionalized because there's no way he's getting the job. None. Mm-hmm. Then, then Ayani said the same thing. He said he couldn't remove him from the mix either. Why? What am I missing? I think, I think you have to give the sitting coach at least an interview. That's, that's okay. I get that. And it's, 
it's even more necessary with him because he played here. Yeah. He's one of ours. Okay. Doesn't mean he's got the, he's the top candidate. Doesn't mean he's getting serious, serious consideration either. Totally agree. Yeah. But these guys, Stout and Ayani, both said they don't think he's out of the mix. And I'm sorry, but I don't believe he should have ever been in the mix. In fact, where I come from, if you were so bad at your job that you ranked among the worst at it, and make no mistake, for three years, he has been one of, if not the worst secondary coaches in all of college football, and that's not an opinion. That's based on the stats of how that secondary has performed. In my world, that gets you fired. At Michigan State, it gets you promoted to interim head coach. So maybe it isn't crazy. Maybe he is under consideration. I'll tell you this, dude. If he's the permanent head coach, I quit. I can't do this. I can't do this anymore. It would be so detrimental to my health. I'd have to pull an Urban Meyer and retire <laughs> in the prime of my years. I was going to say. I couldn't, do, I couldn't cover this team and talk about this team seriously. How could I come on here and seriously do this job every day if they aren't serious? Hiring Harlan Barnett would be an admission we're not serious. In my view, (laughs) not hiring Urban Meyer when he's available, if he really is interested, which I believe there is at least at some point some serious interest on both sides. Sure. If it comes out that Michigan State just chose not to when it was there to be had, I will take that as Michigan State's not serious Mm. about football. Instead chose Mike Elko. Or Jonathan Smith over that guy? Yeah, uh, I'm going to be pretty upset about that. Yeah. I don't know that, but that could be what happened or what is happening. But it, it does seem like it's it does seem like it's coalescing into the, this, this pair, Elko and Jonathan Smith. Right. Well, who would you prefer? I, I think they're both great coaches. I just, I don't know. Uh, my gut tells me Elko. I just, I like him. I don't know why. I just Well, he has Midwest experience. Jonathan Smith doesn't. Does that matter though anymore? Well, I think you said it once on one of the shows. The guy hasn't been west of Yeah. Like Colorado or what or east of Colorado, I should say. It's true. Yeah. I mean, he's he's stayed out there. And I I don't know that that matters except for maybe credibility with recruiting, and that's a big part of becoming a coach. Yeah, well, yeah. Obviously. Like probably job number 1 for the next guy whoever it is is to rebuild the recruiting pipeline in Ohio because Tucker just completely gave up on Ohio. Yeah. Which, which made him the first MSU coach to ever try that novel strategy. And we can see how that, although uh, you got to give him this, you watch this team this year and yes, they're horrible, but you can see like the young players who have been here one year or in their first year, higher profile talent. He was bringing in a better grade of player mm-hmm. like Jordan Hall, Chance Rucker, these kind of guys are better players. Yeah. He had increased the talent profile for two years to like top 25 classes. You can see it. That's why I don't think the cupboard is completely bare for the next guy, if he can keep some of them. Yeah. Anyway, uh, for those of you holding out hope that it's Urban Meyer, I need you to hear this. He's asked about like what went wrong with Jimbo Fisher at Texas A&M, and his, he, he, he has an interesting answer here that lends some insight into whether he would ever take a job like Michigan State, and you're not going to like it, but you need to hear it. Do you have any thoughts on why it, it didn't work out? Obviously, they gave him six years to turn it around, and he didn't get it done. That's pretty patient. 
Yeah, I, I think there's when you evaluate jobs, you know, the one the reason that Florida is so appealing is the talent base that you have within a five mile radius. And when when I turned down Notre Dame to go to Florida in two thousand and five, I had my kids were young. They were in school, you know, I, I want to say my son was in third, fourth grade, something like that. And my, you know, one daughter, my oldest daughter was in seventh grade, I believe. So, you know, when you're at Notre Dame, because Indiana's, there's not enough players. You're on a plane. You're, you're recruiting San Diego, Los Angeles, Seattle, Dallas, Fort Lauderdale, and, and Newark, New Jersey. When you get to Florida, you have your, they give you uh, keys to a, uh, uh, what was it, a King Air and a Citation. And you recruit your tail off. But you know what? I was home almost most of the nights because uh, you're recruiting the state of Florida. So did you hear that? He took Florida over Notre Dame because Florida has a better talent base to recruit from than Notre Dame's geography. And he could recruit the whole state and still be home for dinner every night. Yeah. Does that sound like a guy? who would want to take the Michigan State job where he would regularly have to go head-to-head with Michigan, Notre Dame, Penn State, and Ohio State. And he can't just focus on Michigan. He has to focus on Ohio, Illinois, Georgia, Florida, Texas, California. I don't know about that. Yeah, me neither. Actually, I do know about it. Survey says... Nope. (laughs) 517-342-63. Caller, who is it and where are you calling from? Uh, Tim from Lansing. Hey, man. What's up? Good. Um, what I can say about Urban Meyer is all we got to do, Beanie, is make him an offer he can't refuse. Which would be what? What do you think it would take? First, I'd start at $9 million per year. Well, that's not going to get it done, I don't think. I, I think it and probably then has I'd, to. Then I'd up it to $10 million. I go as high as uh, eleven million. Well, I year. think I think if you're seriously trying to get him to do this, you got to start at twelve because that would be the highest paid. Uh, that'd be more than Saban, who's at eleven point seven. And I still don't think twelve would do it. I I think at this point you have to take the guy at his word that he genuinely doesn't want to do it anymore. That he's making too much money doing a little bit that he's happy with. So the only way to get him to do a job he doesn't want to do. Would be to yeah, Bert, would be to make him an offer that would be irresponsible to turn down. Like he would have to go to his wife and say, "Shelly, honey, I love you, and I know you don't want me to put my myself and our family through this again, but we cannot responsibly say no to this generational level of wealth, which would be fifteen to twenty million per year." Yep. But you know what gets me is we paid um, Tucker nine and a half million, and he did he didn't do anything. Mm-hmm. But again, that was nine and a half. We're talking about at least double. five and a half and maybe more than double that. Yeah. Yeah. That's a lot of money. And just because, you know, Jay, uh, Jason, just because Matt Ishbia is a billionaire doesn't mean he would sign off on giving $20 million per year or whatever it would take to Michigan State to pay their football coach, you know? That's why we need to uh, make. Uh Matt Ishby, our next athletic director. <laughs> well, I think he's a little busy, Oof. and I don't think he wants that job because that's very low paying for him. What would you rather have, Alan Howard or Matt Ishbia? Well, it's not an option, though, Tim. You can't be an NBA owner and also run an athletic department in college. You, you literally can't because of conflict of interest. It's why he had to cut off his NIL payments to the basketball players because of conflict of interest. Right. 
Well, so it's not an option. Well, because that's our gravy right there. If we're going to get money yeah. to pay a coach, that's I agree. our gravy man right there. I agree. And it's reported that he really wants Urban Meyer, but it hasn't happened. So that tells me that they don't want him or he doesn't want them, one or the other. And either way, it's, it's enough for me to know it's not going to happen. I have another name out there. How about the Oregon State coach? Yeah, I, I think it's, it sounds like it's between him and Elko from Duke. And between the two, I would prefer Jonathan Smith because I like the way Oregon State plays. Have you watched them, Tim? Yes, I do. They're a good team. I yeah. think they're a halfway decent team. I really do. Yeah, they're pretty good. I, I love the, like, the offense is an awesome blend of, like, smash mouth power run game with, you know, like a, a, a dynamic kind of spread uh pass attack and then on defense they're physical too which is a rare combo i, I really like the way they play and another one more and i'll, and I'll yeah. get off the um, another one i take uh tom herman main herman i like that one too and thanks for the call time i gotta leave it there i think the problem there is i haven't heard any reporting whatsoever that michigan state has even interviewed or, or contacted him mm. but listen tom herman I think would be a hell of a coach here because he's won everywhere he's been. He's in his first year at Florida Atlantic. But remember, he he was the offensive coordinator of the year Ohio State won the national championship under Urban Meyer. He was the Broyles Award winner as the best offensive or best assistant coach in the country. Immediately gets the Houston job and in two years turns them into a New Year's Six Bowl winner. Mm-hmm. Then Texas hires him. And in year two there, he wins a New Year's Six Bowl with Texas. But from there, he wins like eight or nine games both years, and that's just not good enough in Texas. He was fired at Texas, not because he didn't win, because he didn't win enough. What he did at Texas would get him a statue in East Lansing. <laughs> now, why is he at Florida Atlantic? Well, you can look it up online yourself. But when Zach Smith at Ohio State went down, he took some people down with him, and he released some unflattering stuff about other people, including Tom Herman. Long story short, Steve, Tom Herman, at least at one point, maybe no longer, had a nose candy problem. Mm -hmm. Maybe not problem, but an affinity for nose candy. And Zach Smith allegedly released some pretty inconvenient pictures, I guess. Wow. Yeah, so that's why he's at Florida Atlantic. By the way, he's made them better right away. Are they great? No. But he's a good football coach. I would like to have him, too. Mm -hmm. I'd be happy with him. I'd be happy with Jonathan Smith. Not Elko, huh? I, you know what it is, Dream, to be honest with you? I'm tired of having defensive coaches. Yeah. I just think today's day and age is about offense. And sure then seems everyone, that way. Everyone throws in my face, defense wins championships. Does it? <laughs> Does it? Who won the Super Bowl last year? The Chiefs. Are they a dominant defensive team? Well, they're better now, but not last year. Not last year. I just, I don't buy that anymore. And I definitely think your rebuild happens faster if your head coach is offensive. Mm -hmm. Because that's an easier sales pitch to recruit. Offensive minded? Minded. Yeah. You know, it it stuns me. We're like two years in on this. How many people still don't get the double entendre, the name of the show? Oh, beanie. Namely, the people in the 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. time slot here on this station. Because every day, they both, like, run down the programming coming up. And Tim will say, Beanie's in at four with offensive-minded. And then Brock will be, here's what's on tap. 
Beanie's in at four on offensive minded. Guys, it's offensive minded. <laughs> I tell I've told them that, and they just don't get it. Right. What's going on? I don't know. It's not that just looking at you brings <laughs> up the word offensive. It's not a highbrow intellectual bit. It's pretty simple. It's a play on words. But there again, you know. Well, hey. The intelligentsia. <laughs> yep. I'm just too intellectual for Tim and Brock. <laughs> what can I say? Back to wrap it up in a few. Sure, you could listen to static. <laughs> or you could get the free Game 730 AM mobile app in your app store today and listen longer. Without the interruptions from the static. Listen live to all your favorite moments in sports and hear all the action. The Game 730 AM app also has tons of great restaurant deals for you. It's waiting for you right now in the app store today. The Game 730 AM app is powered by Driven Collision. We make friends by accident. You could say we know a thing or two about sports. Let's go! We've only been doing it for 30 years we're the game 7 30 a.m wrapping it up as the song would indicate before we do dream let's cover a, a couple of messages we got here okay in the free game 7 30 a.m app spartagator in westphalia says oops already lost the message he says dude be real harlan barnett quote not out of consideration unquote is msu speak for quote he's our plan e when nobody else will take the job facts yeah i, I think so too i maybe hope they so. wait one more year maybe they give him another year and then go after somebody you know, i've heard people say that and mm-hmm. i've heard people say keep harlan and then we just use all that extra money to fund nil yeah one problem have you seen this guy manage a game I, we could have an NFL roster, and he would screw it up. <laughs> Ain't qualified. But I get what you're saying, Spartagator. Appreciate the message. GW and Lansing will wrap it up for us today in the free game 730 AM app. He says, stop talking about the what-ifs in MSU. The Lions are 8-2. and two. Yeah, I, know, I, I didn't have time to uh, get to it today. Don't worry, we will tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Tomorrow will be a ton of Lions Thanksgiving Packers talk. And really, Lions are not in trouble. Bottom line, no. they are fine. <laughs> no. It, tomorrow's show will be how many touchdowns will the Lions embarrass but, the Packers? But even by? against the, I mean, let's be honest. Sometimes you just play to your opponent's weaknesses instead of strengths, and you might not, you, you might you just might have a bad day. Look, man, cousin Jared is not typically going to throw two interceptions. I think what they did against the Bears is important. Because it's the exact inverse of same old Lions. That's mm-hmm. important. Yeah. And they're 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 eight and two for the first time in sixty years or Insane. whatever. That's a big deal. But both things can be true. That can all be true, and so can this. That defense is a problem. Mm-hmm. That is a serious problem. It's the kind of thing that gets you out of the playoffs in your first game. So you got to remember that. They'll we'll talk about out. that tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, GW also says it would be irresponsible to offer fifteen to twenty millions per per year to Urban Meyer. To make him an offer he can't refuse. Hmm. Yeah, but what do we care? It's not our money. If it's Matt Ishbia doing it, I don't care. Spend it. Also, the guy's pretty good with finance. I'm pretty sure if he made an offer like that, it would be with the confidence that he's not going to go broke. Right. (laughs) Thanks for being here, Dream. Yes, sir. See you later, everybody. Until 4 to 6 tomorrow, be safe and be good.